Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Conversation. My name is Chad. In this episode, Dan, Adrian, and I are taking on the fourth installment of the Frustrated Founders series, which is called Sign Your Name. In this conversation, we talk about what it means to take responsibility and ownership for your contribution to the breakdown and the frustration. This episode is packed full of insight and helpful commentary for you to kill the frustration that you're currently facing as a founder, owner, CEO, executive, whatever it is, the position of leadership that you're in, this will help. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Conversation, the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name's Chad. I'm here with Dan Takini and Adrian Kaler. How are you, gentlemen? Hey, doing good. Thanks. So so this is uh, number four in our five-part series around frustrated founders and uh, what we can do with the frustration, how we can can kill that frustration. Um, And so if you're just joining us on this episode, you'll get a lot of great things out of it. You might want to think about going back three episodes, four episodes to the first one in the series called Hug the Cactus and start there because this is a series, a process to go through uh, as you're feeling frustration and getting clear on what that frustration is, what your ownership is in it. And then uh, next time will be a fun one when we talk about riding the elephant. Riding the elephant. Riding the elephant. That's next week. (laughs) So in this episode, we're talking about signing our name or taking ownership of our contribution to the breakdown, also ownership of the vision that we said we were setting out to accomplish. Um, And so I wanted to, I thought it would be interesting to start first in a place of not taking ownership. Like what are we giving up when we give the ownership of the breakdown to other people when it's when it's other people's faults when they're wrong bad or broken what what are we missing out on and and i get that this is that is the entire idea right of that's where we're going but um maybe we could start talking about a why do we why do why do we why are we inclined or i'll speak for myself why am i inclined to yeah. give ownership to other people when there's a breakdown when something is not working uh, let's start there. What's what is what is it about that inclination? Hey, sure. I see you cooking around in there. Yeah, there's a lot. There's lots of nuances here. Because yes, and I, I start there as well. It's especially this is a little bit. I'll add what I'm what, what I'm cooking is. This is why sometimes content isn't worth anything. Like a great idea, if not if you know if not handled. Uh, if not really desired, isn't really a great idea. So even like the idea of resolving conflict, if I don't want it resolved, if I'm not willing to find my place in the resolution, then this the whole podcast won't be worth much. Yeah. So we're talking about benefits, right? What do I benefit from getting giving my ownership away to somebody else in the breakdown? Yeah. So, yeah, so that, that's where my head was cooking. I was thinking about like, well, what else could we do instead of own it? Most of the time people um, uh, don't own it, don't want to own it, want to usually just, I don't know how they talk about it, want to just deal with it, want to get past it, um, and which are all kind of, you know, ways of like avoiding it, hoping it goes away or putting a Band-Aid on it. Um, 
that's what people do. I think instead of having the ownership conversation, I think own, why people don't want to own is owning feels so heavy, I think, to folks because owning feels like blame. It feels like um, like a moral conversation. You shouldn't have done this. Um, and it, it, it feels aggressive and it feels um, it feels divisive. Well, yeah, I would I think the idea that when, when to own it doesn't mean to identify with it. Right. And I think mm. we tend to identify our identity is wrapped up in our performance, at least right. mine has been. And if I'm not performing well, then there must be something wrong, bad or broken with me. And in which case I can't do anything about it because it's me. I mean, like I can it's like, how can I change myself? That's just who I am, that whole thought. And and yeah. so now I the best thing to do is to and there's a lot of payoffs. I mean, if it's Adrian's fault then he has to take care of it. And in fact, he now owes me something because he broke it, right? So I can be entitled in the breakdown. I don't have to have any weight on correcting it because after all, Adrian did it and he should make up for it. Mm -hmm. right? And I can make a whole political party out of that. <laughs> well, it's this idea that if, if there is a breakdown, a mistake, a frustration, that something needs to be wrong, bad, or broken. That's right. There's something instead of what's what's going on here and how can I stand in it to bring forth what means the most to me. But I have to be, you know, it's like when you say own it, it's really powerful because if I'm owning the future that matters to me, if I'm, that means that that's like present for me. I, I have a sense of how to engage the world to, let's say my work, so that it's a meaningful, powerful opening for making a difference and community and like that. If I, that's a different way of standing than I'm here at work to get what it owes me so I can go home and do what I really want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So those are different. So in, in, in the first one, I, I take on the problem because it's an opportunity to express what's most important to me. In the second one, I'm trying to get the easiest way through it so I can get home and do what I think I really want to do. Right. <laughs> and so, if it, if it goes bad, I don't want to be I don't want to be bothered with it. So it's got to be something. It's either got to be the circumstance, other people, or my history. You don't understand what it's like to grow up. You didn't grow up with a schizophrenic mother. You didn't you didn't go through this. You didn't get rejected by that. You didn't you didn't go through what I went through. So I have a reason not to own it because doggone it, I've had enough with owning. Every time I own it, look what happens to me. Mm -hmm. Right, and yeah. so. There's a lot of payoff in that, right? In fact, one of the things we talk about is that's at the, the heart of the criminal mind. I do a lot of work with kids and, and lifers, and we all have a criminal in us, right? And the more we give away the ownership of our life, the more we have reason to be criminal because look what they did to me. I have a right to go do that to somebody else. That's how that works. Yeah. And so the reciprocation of that produces more chaos upset, sadness, unnecessary suffering. It just makes life hell. Yeah. And, it, and, and the more hellish it gets, the writer I get about being served, the more entitled I get. Hmm. I mean, it's, it's a pretty vicious cycle, but it's pretty common. I, I mean, I've been in it many times. You know, I've been through it. And I'm sure if you think about it, there's times you can really, like think about your marriage. When it's your wife's fault, what do you feel like? You, know, you want to get out, you want to run, you want to do something to change the circumstance because 
you got to get away from who's the problem. And right. the only way she can get back is if she does for me what I want her to do, and then I make her pay until she does, right? That becomes the game. And then it, it estranges the relationship. We wonder how do we get so estranged after some period? How do we get here? I mean, I've had so many couples say, I just can't figure out how we got here. Mm-hmm. But that's the process, right? We hear that language from founders a lot too. Yeah. I, I don't know how I got here. How do I get myself in this mess? Yeah. How did I get this board? How did I get this team? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and uh, yeah, that's like in some ways the wake up call is whenever they speaking about founders, um, whenever they want to do something new, they actually have to go explore, you know, the 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 environment that they're in. And they haven't been tending to the environment. There's been a lot of things they haven't tended to. And then all of a sudden, when they want to move, there's all these obstacles in the way, which are like, show up as like conversations or, or dynamics in the relationship, really, most of the time. There's dynamics in the relationship they haven't tended to. So all of a sudden, when they want to move somewhere new, those dynamics start to show up as obstacles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I was in a conversation today with a client around her capacity to play a small game. And... Uh, which was very, uh, she, she, like most of us, when, like me, when I'm playing a small game, I'd like to justify me playing a small game and why that's all, all I could do and I couldn't do something else. Or if I did, um, you know, what that we went through and talked about what are the payoffs to playing a smaller game, you know, which a lot, a lot for her were around not coming off arrogant, right? She didn't want to come off arrogant. She didn't want to like throw herself at the thing. And that, you know, and in order to avoid looking arrogant, she plays small and doesn't claim what she wants. And I'm thinking about this in the context of ownership of the breakdown, right? Because if like avoiding and not owning is a way to play a smaller game, let's just make it through. And to your point earlier, you say smaller game. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. Well, to own something is a pretty severe move. Right. It's a it's a hey, I'm really here to win. I, you know, I talk about like I I, I only personally like coaching people that want the ball in the, and like with seconds left in the game. Those are the types of people I like to coach, the ones that want the ball. Give me the ball, coach. Um, and I just like those types of personalities. They want the ball. They want the pressure. They want the responsibility. Those are the folks I enjoy working with the most. That's a really big game. They want to be seen. They want to be contributing. They want um they want it all. Um, that's a bigger game, right? I'm fully at stake in the conversation I'm in, in the game we're playing called company, called mission, called vision, called, you know, relationship at home, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm all in. Um, that's the big game, I say. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the conversation in a way that I know I'm going to look bad. I know I'm going to fail. I know I'm going to miss it. I know my weaknesses will be exposed at some point. I know all those things and I'm here anyway. Like that's, that's the big game. Yeah. There's Uh, a possibility I could lose. There's a possibility I could fail in this and it's worth the possibility. It's worth risking the failure. That's right. You participate full wholeheartedly. That's right. Now, smaller game is, Deciding, I mean, it came up for this client. We're talking about, she, she was talking about some a moment in her history around she lost her father when she was young. And she was watching how that context has shows up now in her life as she's as she's 
running uh, as she's operating inside this business about detachment like that the story she made up about that is if you love something it might leave so don't love something she didn't say don't it quite don't like, get too invested in it yeah. don't get too invested right that's the, and then you know, don't get don't get so invested because you you know you might be disappointed you might lose it you might whatever but that's a smaller you know that's like so in that moment like the history um uh sets the parameters of the possibility right yeah. so no, no so she's not willing not, not you know there's so many things that now can't happen because she's decided to not really be fully vulnerable and really be at stake for the next thing because it it might be like the last thing which was disappointing so in order to avoid the disappointment i just won't be that engaged and so if you, if you attempt to intervene in that then she has all the history to defend it and so right. it's like if i can relate to it i mean if i defend what i can't do that becomes my inheritance if i defend my limitations then they're mine and yeah and, and i'm going to be i go around being right i'm predictable but i'm and, and what i end up doing is managing circumstances instead of living life right i'm yep. just managing the circumstances yep because i gave up the life i wanted that's right so i mean we we're really passionate about this ownership idea because we think like and why i think we're going on for a good bit about it about the context right because why even decide to own something well if you decide to own something, what we're asserting is like, if you decide to own something, then the, the possibilities expand. We don't know how, how, like, how, um, it's limitless, limitless about what's possible if I'm all into something. Um, and I, well, and I mean, it's vital if you don't own it, you're giving your power to change anything away. That's right. right. I, I'm rendering myself helpless mm -hmm. to circumstance and now somebody else has to do it for me because i've given the power away to either my history or the circumstance and i'm stuck now who's going to help me who's going to rescue me that's right yeah i was i was writing some copy this morning i was working through some copy this morning for this course that we have coming out around conflict resolution you know we're building an incredible tool for leaders and founders and ceos to use when they're going into a conflicted conversation or a frustrating conversation, they can jump into this course and within a few minutes be very, very clear on their vision for the conversation, where they want to go, how they're going to operate in the future, what they need to bring up and say. Anyway, it's just really robust. But I was thinking about this and I was I was I was setting up basically the premise that when frustration and conflict are means that somebody is wrong, bad or broken that it controls us yeah we don't have it has us like you say dan like it has us but once we realize that conflict and frustration are a natural occurrence and a process part of the process of becoming mm -hmm. and, and and we can integrate it into the process yes then we have it versus trying to get rid of it we can right. It's like, it's okay to feel like shit. You can still win and feel like shit for a while. It's okay. But yeah. so many of us go, oh, I feel terrible. There must be something wrong. As if, but you know what? You might feel terrible because you're doing what's called for it and it's something you never wanted to do, but it's now bringing you the future into being, even though you feel like crap. 
right? That's what I was going to say. How exciting is it if frustration and conflict means you're getting somewhere? Yeah. Like you've uncovered something that needs to be taken care of so that you can realize the vision you're committed to. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's, a, there's a guy I was working with. He was at this company and he was a bottleneck. And he was a severe bottleneck. To this, It was an engineering company. And he, he's a project manager. And he really didn't like his work but he loved the team and he loved the environment and he wanted to work there. And as I was working, we, the I, first couple of days working with the first couple of calls, I just stayed on exactly what we're talking about, him owning the situation. And as we started talking about him owning it, he goes, you know, I really don't like this work. I just like the team, literally. And, and it so cleared him up, he resigned. Sadly, because he loved the team, but he couldn't find how to, be relevant to the team. And he realized I need to back out. And as soon as he backed out, the things started flowing and he's, he recognized that no blame on him. He realized there was something else he ought to do. And we talked about what that was and Hmm. he got real excited about it because that's what he really wanted to do. And we talked about how he could own the kind of team he could create around him. Right. Really interesting. Hmm. And I found that to be true. A lot of times that when people get clear about what they really are willing to take ownership of, they will, they'll make a move, right? Particularly when they see what kind of suffering it's causing them. Well, that's interesting. Let's, I, let's dive into that if that's all right. Taking ownership of the vision, because you know there, we create visions around what we're working towards. Any any founder that we're working with, any any leader at one point coming into that role, they had a vision for the company, for the product, for them as as the owner and the creator. There is this vision that is created and they're operating underneath. But then all of the details come and all of the doings and the conflicts and the frustrations and the busyness and the, you know, yada, 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 not having enough time, blah, 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 blah. All of that opinions, they don't want to, you know, there's resistance. Yeah. yeah and, and slowly through that process or slowly through that, those distractions, I don't know if that's a gr- great word, but we start to be distracted from owning the vision that we set out to, to have uh, or to create. Right. Um, and so we, you, Adrian, you talk about um, in the frustrated founder course, like first step is start to own that vision again. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Start to own the vision, sign your name on the vision. Well, couple things. One, I mean, you've always got people always have a North Star, right? We talk about we we can't be unintentional as human beings. We're always intentional. Human beings are incessantly intentional, always that way. So there is a North Star. Now, what's the North Star? Is it the future that that we're committed to or is it self-protection? Is it ego? Is it looking good? Is it survival? Is it being right? Is it, you know, building a coalition? Is it making the other person pay? Is it proving a point? Like any of those things can be the North Star and they are. There's some North Star and probably in multiple rooms, multiple, if you got three people talking about a conflict, there might be three different North Stars in the room. So if you're the leader, which we're working with, calling the leader to get clear and reestablish if it's if we've lost it reestablish the north star here's the purpose of the conversation the purpose of the conversation is to 
is to go here. Now, in order to go here to get to that future, we got to get clear about this because this stands in what's happening right now stands in opposition. It stands as a barrier to that. Yeah, and the only way. So and the, the thing is, the only way to identify, and this is to identify what the barriers are, is to be clear about the vision. Because the clearer you are about the vision, the clearer the barriers barriers become. And it is a common strategy to reduce tension by being ambiguous about what you want. Yes. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. And the tension goes down, but so that reduces the rate of motion and the progress yeah. that you produce. Right. Yeah. I, I have to tell myself sometimes, like just say the phrase myself, stop making it better. Uh, because, and I just see the tension, I, tension for me and I see it on teams a lot. Is like, we're just trying to make the thing better all the time. And sometimes it needs to get really needs to get really broken. Or if like there's a tension in the conversation, Sometimes the point of the conversation is to decrease the tension and and the decreasing of the tension, it doesn't bring those issues to the surface. Um, but if the vision is clear to your point, Dan, if the vision is crystal clear, then the issues will come to the surface. That's why as we're dealing with people, we're always starting with what are you committed to creating? What is the vision? Because that will naturally bring up what are the barriers to that. And, and that's that that switches from what are we fighting against yeah. to what are we fighting for, right? right. Which a beautiful yeah. video that we just posted on your from a couple episodes ago on your Instagram, Adrian, is just yeah. this idea of like, okay, fighting against that's 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 fine. You that's needed, but then when does it when does it evolve into this conversation of what are we fighting for? Yeah. Well, and I, and this is where I mean willingness to sign your name on something is a humble act. And if the outcome is more important to me than how I look in my own eyes, like that's the, that's the, for me, the purpose of, of reminding myself what the vision is. Why am I here? Why am I having this conversation? What are we fighting for? And if that lands for me as meaningful, then I'm willing to look the fool to get there. And I'm willing to like be the, be, you know, be humbled. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of, my experience is a lot of like hard charging people um, aren't, you know, that's, this is the, this is the challenge for them because they got to, they think that their success comes from see, being seen as the authority and they don't get the secret. I mean, a lot of times like the secret weapon is actually to, to humble themselves in front of their people. Yeah. Right. Because that is like a, it's, it, it, it builds trust. They think it's going to break trust that, the other people need to see them as having the answers, doing the right thing, trustworthy, blah, blah, blah. But they, they don't, they don't stop and say, Hey, you know what? Here's where we're going. Here's where the breakdown is. Here's what I've been doing to cause the breakdown. And that is a trust building exercise. Um, that's what, is what can happen in the conversation. I think a lot of people don't. Yeah, here's what I've been up to. And here's the, Here's what I up up until now and from now on this is what I'm up to. Yeah, like so, clearly declaring or, or here's what I've been up to. Love to hear what you have to say about that. What do you see? What what am I missing? And then here's what I'm up to. Yeah, what I've noticed in the teams that I've led, what I've noticed is when I've been when I've been willing to humble myself and step up to that plate. Yeah, uh, of ownership. And and really investigating where I contributed to the breakdown or what what I what my part of my ownership, what I noticed is that it makes 
I don't know if it makes it easier or safer. I'm not quite sure of the wording, but other members of the team are willing to step to that plate as well. Sure. More likely there's less defense there's, and it brings people into a space of, wow, let's take a look at this rather than you did this, you did that. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? You're terrible at this. Um, and, and just seems like to be, it, it, there is, it's a contagious sort of way of being with a team when you own it and it invites other people to step up and, and it, 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 I, it's happened multiple times that I've been able to own some of that stuff. Yeah. And it goes the other way. If it's not that way, it's contagious either way. Yes. So, um, blackballing, prosecuting, punitive approaches, destroying or hurting other people because they aren't where you think they should be or because they didn't perform well then that what it does it tells everybody that all i can do is say the things that they want to hear all i can and so what goes underground ends up being heard some other way right uh, so there's a consequence to trying to manipulate cajole you know the what do we call the the amoeba approach you know the command and control approach you can poke it and you can give it some sugar and the amoeba will work around it but the problem with it is it's not self-motivated it isn't directed on its own. It has to be constantly poked and prodded. And the thing with people is they're unpredictable. And at some point, if they don't get that what you're poking and prodding them about is worth it, they're gone. And they have no sense of loyalty. In fact, they're gone and they're, they're, they're bitter about it. And they're going to probably retaliate when they leave to let you know how little they liked working in that kind of environment. What, what you're saying, Dan, is bringing up something for me that I've never really thought about in this context, but I've, I've had leaders in my life with corporations and I think I can own this as well as like this process has to be sincere or it does the opposite meaning, or this, this effort has to be sincere. Like I've been led by people, you know, that, you know, the classic like interview question, like what are some of your weaknesses and people frame their strengths as their weaknesses. Yeah. I've been in situations I work too yeah. hard. Yeah. I've been it's in responsible. I'm always taking on everybody else's responsibility. I'm the guy that goes the extra mile and dies for it. And I'm just, you know, I'm fed up with it. It's a terrible interview question, by the way. But besides that's besides the point, what I've experienced is leadership, leaders who try to inst install this this effort, but um, frame their contribution as not it's not sincere. I, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but like it's it's coming to the table with an ownership that is act is not sincere. It's not um, I don't know. I, my I guess what I'm trying to say is my encouragement to people is to to come to the table with this conversation. It has to be sincere, or or people will sniff it out. Well, they're, yeah, they're, to, to gesture, to posture, to pander. Yes, those are they're going to get picked up. And if they don't get picked up, what you've done is raised a team of gesturing, posturing, pandering, you know, post, you know posers. Mm -hmm. There won't be any results, but everybody will have the speak down and have all the reasons why the results aren't there. And, you know, geez, we just don't understand. It's out of our control. Maybe we're in the wrong market, you know, like that kind of thing. And it gets nauseating. And then you take somebody out, you put somebody else who's responsible in there and you see a difference, but what will happen is if the team is a bunch of posers, they'll eventually level that guy probably, or he'll leave or she'll leave. 
she may get fed up with that and say, you know, let's say, I don't want to work here. I want to work somewhere where I'm, you know, pressing one another is actually welcomed, not, not condemned. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, and, you know, as an organization, we talk a lot, make the distinction a ton between context and content. Um, and what is, which, if we take that idea and throw it in this, um, in this dynamic on how do, how do you own a breakdown? Um, it, it gets, it, whatever's, what's happening in the context. And by context, I usually mean here, it's like, what are all the unspoken conversations that are happening? Like what's in the space between people, right? What are the beliefs that are there? The conversations that are there, the assertions, the judgments, the belief, the optimism. It could be on both sides, right? Like I like this guy. Don't like this guy. Trust him. Don't trust him. Believe him. Don't believe him. All that is really the dynamic of what actually constitutes the relationship. It, prove it it is the filter by which people be listening when the conversation happens and you know so when you sit down and first off the willingness to own it um, and then when you sit down have the conversation with somebody um, you're already dealing with their previous experience with you as well you know and so if they trust you don't trust you like you don't like you that's already happening there's not like a neutral conversation that's already there whatever's there whatever the context is is already present right so that's part of what to own is my point that's part of what to own when you come to the conversation because if 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 you guys have known leaders you, you know what i'm talking about here if you're finally having the conversation you haven't had for a year and then if you act like the conversation is brand new you're already starting off in a lie yeah right it's like hey I want to talk about this thing. But if you don't say, hey, we've been dealing with this for a year and I haven't dealt with it. Or we've been, this has been a challenge and I've been putting it off for a year, hoping it would resolve itself. I knew it didn't. I knew it wouldn't. <laughs> and I didn't finally want to talk about it. Or whatever's there. I'm just thinking about leaders. Like owning the obvious uh, is a part of, of like what's needed, I think, to have this, if we're talking now about how to have the authentic conversation, not the posing and the pandering one, because there's lots of obvious data points that are worth talking about. Yeah, alongside of, that, alongside of that feels like um, being willing to own the obvious, but also being willing to hear how your people receive you. Yeah. yeah right. I think that's part of coming to the conversation, thinking that it's new. It's not. Your people have been receiving you in a way for as long as you've been, as long as they've been working for you. I asked yeah. one, I asked one, I said, do you think, do you, do you, I asked, do you think there's anybody ready to leave? And they said, no, no. I said, if there were, would you want to know? Oh, yes, yes. Okay. Because it's interesting. Anytime I've done a 360, I always find out things I never knew was going on with other people that I, they, they either didn't say, or if they said I didn't listen and then I go, wow, I didn't know that was going on. I should have paid attention, right? I'm gonna, I need to go talk to that person. So I, in my mind, there's always something like that going on. And am I willing to see it? Am I willing to live in the question that would open that possibility up? Because usually when things go sideways or don't work out, like you said, it started, I think Adrian said this, it started a long time ago. Right. It, it had a beginning and it started as a little thing and it's been growing because it hasn't been getting attention because you don't want to, I don't want to see it. Yeah. It, it, it disturbs me and I don't want to be disturbed. So there's so many different reasons. I don't want to be overcome. I don't want to be dominated. 
by my commitment here. And so, you know, I don't pay attention to it till it gets my attention. And then, yeah. then, it's, then, I'm, then it's triage, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the state of reaction, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's really, really subtle. Yeah. Think about it. It's really subtle. I mean, there's, if we're teaching responsibility, if we're really working that in ourselves, giving an account, owning, putting our name on what we can, and standing you know, and owning the future we're committed to with the team. If you're all, if you're teaching that, and at some point you you, it's there's so many places where there's dissonance. Like, I want you to own it until it doesn't work for me, right? And or, or I want you know own you're owning it, and then I want to blame you for what you didn't do, or blame you for what somebody else did. There's all these. There's a numerous ways that we create what I call you know what's called a. Uh, cognitive dissonance, where you know you can train people to be responsible and then go about managing them in a way where you're not willing to own how you manage them, and then you wonder why it's not working out. So part of this is the ownership is continuing to see where I'm in. I'm I'm not. I'm living hip, hypocritically. I'm there's a difference between what I say and how I live, and that's. That's probably the most challenging part and probably the most most powerful. It's, it's where the power is. But it, it's like having people that are willing to point that out because we realize we're blind, right? And But if we're really punitive, when somebody points it out to me, I'm going to feel shameful and then I'm going to react with uh, a sense of, um, what is that, contempt, which is going to tell you, don't don't talk about that. Mm -hmm. And that's where it begins. And now I'm going to live one way and say, I'm going to say one thing and live another way. Mm. And that is, that's probably the biggest breakthroughs. When I have a breakthrough in leadership, it's usually in that area. It's usually because I don't want to hear what somebody has to say, even though I've told them I want to hear what they say. And when they speak up, I get ashamed because they've exposed me. And then I retaliate and that tells them I'm lying. I really don't want to hear it. Mm. It's just, and I notice that's what usually eats my legacy or eats the vision or eats the ramp we have to get to the vision or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just struck. I'm thinking about the leaders that are probably listening to this and wondering, uh, and, and partially I just am thinking about the people in my life and that I'm, that I'm working with, thinking about how how many of these conversations are unhad, and how much of this is the weight that we call being lonely at the top. Like how much dissonance is there, separation between them and others, even the people they say are closest to them in life. But there's a couple conversations they quote unquote just can't have with them, and that loneliness uh, that is actually that is is is. is Loneliness is the probably the result. The despair is what's there first. Like it won't work out. I can't talk about this. It's not going to work out. And it starts as despair, lands then as loneliness, and then is isolation. And the isolation becomes the lifestyle. And there, and isolation is naturally uh, 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 what's the word? Irresponsible. Mm. Because if I if I take responsibility, I move toward people. 
If I don't take responsibility, I must move away from them. So if I take responsibility, it breaks up the isolation. Um, and I'm just, I don't know, I just sitting there thinking about how, like what it's like. And I've known what it's like so many times uh, in, in my relationships as well, in my businesses and my first marriage and all that about the isolation that was there because I didn't want to take the responsibility for it. And that's, this comes to this, you know, am I willing to sign my name on it? Um, well, you know, you, you hit us to me when I listen to that, it's like life is either about safety yeah, or it's about venture. Yes. Right. And the victim stance seems like a safe stance. Yeah. But it's, it's short term safety, short term relief, long term yeah. grief, because what I'm building up around me is I'm giving my power away, which means I'm oppressed. I'm setting myself in a position of oppression. Yeah. Because I'm waiting for others to do what I'm afraid to risk for. And then I'm pissed off that they don't. Yeah. And I try to get them and manipulate them into it. Yeah. And so that's not safe because eventually they're going to get mad. They're going to they're going to realize there's nothing they can do. There's not enough they can do for me. Then they want to leave or dis, you know, distance themselves from the team or from me. And, and what and th that's really. And then that comes out of the blue because I haven't been paying attention. I'm just because I'm pretty wrapped in my complaint. And so that's really dangerous. But immediately it seems that's why the victim playing the victim or, if you will, externalizing responsibility it seems immediately the thing to do because it, it relieves that tension of me having to answer what's it good to answer the future that I don't know if I'm up to, re, you know, providing for. I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to make the sacrifice because the future is dangerous. It, your desires, your longings are dangerous. They, they call me into or out of my comfort zone into the wild. And then I could die, you know, literally or i could die figuratively multiple times before i get before the future starts to show up and while you're dying it doesn't if you don't have a good beat on the future what are you thinking well you're thinking about how to get to safety right and and it takes courage it takes the willingness to move forward in that fear with the confidence that you're going you know the future's going to reveal itself through these series of failures yeah okay. You know, the iterations that you walk through, that's not, you know, that takes, you know, just think you can either have a team committed to being safe or a team committed to have it turn out. And if you're really committed to having it turn out, you're really committed to being dominated by your vision. You're going to scare some people. And they're, right. they're either going to get oriented or they're going to probably choose to leave. And yep. that's where in those crises is where we decide how vulnerable are we willing to get for what we say we want because you know you could risk people could disapprove they could they could stop being loyal to you they could make you pay they might sue you they there's a million things they could do because they didn't get their way and how much of did you play into their entitlement because then it's going to come back to you right why are they there yeah i think that's a and that changes from day to day yeah like, how often do we check in and say, do I still want to be here? <laughs> I mean, we've had those conversations a few times, right? Sure. Like, you know, we fail at a couple of things. We go, like, we've talked about this online thing. And, you know, it's like, well, do I still want to be here? Do I still want to do this? I mean, God, how many cuts do we have to take at this thing, right? It, it'll wear you down if you're not, if you don't 
you got to keep renewing that vision. You got to keep, okay, what are we really doing here? Why do we do this? Do we get closer? <laughs> right? Is it worth hanging in there? God, do I want to go again? Is this worth the investment? Yep. I want to go back, pump the brakes and highlight something that you talked about. Well, both of you touched on a little bit earlier. And, uh, you know, I've always heard this, that it's lonely at the top as if it's just something that happens. Mm-hmm. Like once you get to the top, it's a place and you get there and it's lonely. And <laughs> what I hear you guys saying is it sounds to me like you're implying that loneliness is a strategy at the top. I, I, it can be, but you can be lonely, right? Because leadership often requires the willingness to stand out, to make the decision that is you believe is best for the vision, but may not be the best for everybody on the team. Right. Or it's difficult. Like you think about it, you take a stand for something and it's going to affect everybody you work with. If you say something unpopular, but you believe it and you stand by it, it's you could lose workers, you could lose vendors, you could lose suppliers, you could lose advertisers, you could be, you know, misunderstood and framed into an agenda that the competition wants to use against you. So how will you stand? Will you stand or will you pander and try to find the the tiptoe your way into it? Like, you know, we'll take it slowly, we'll fool them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, but at some point you're gonna have to be recognized, like this is where I stand. Yeah. Well, there's a, I mean, there's like a required aloneness at times, right? Like I'm going to, if I'm going to stand out, I will stand out and I'm willing to do it alone. Not like that's the goal. A lot of people, I think, uh, I think to your, to your point, Chad, I think a lot of people pride themselves on, or even more honestly, I think it's like utilize the, utilize the aloneness to feel sorry for themselves, to justify all their uh, diabolical behavior. You know, it's like, oh, I, you know, or they're very committed to having a unique experience. Like Mm -hmm. nobody quite gets it the way it is for me. Um, You know, which is the story of a person who hasn't asked many questions. Because there's, there's rarely an experience I have that is like, I mean, I'm probably never, I've never, I'll just say that. Well, I wonder if I've never had an experience that hasn't already, already been, already happened in the world. Right. So if I'm, if I'm so lonely about it, I'm probably shut down and I'm utilizing the loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. So to your point, I mean, there's going to require some aloneness, which is distinct. I know probably listeners know this, like there's a distinction between, Hey, I'm alone right now in this versus I'm lonely in this. Yeah. Right. Necessary aloneness. Uh, which, which, which is, you know, uh, is the result of bravery. Yeah, that's part of bravery. It part really of bravery. Yeah, it's like I'm alone, and, and I need to be alone right now. Okay. I, I, this choice is for me to make. Yeah, I've gotten all my counsel now. I need to make the choice. That's right. When they ought to, when people say they want more leadership, they ought to say, "How alone are you willing to be?" Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. Because hey, uh, I'm gonna. If you want to lead, it's gonna require you to be up front. And to, uh, you know, have experiences that you don't want to have both inside yourself and from other people. And you're going to have to you're going to be in lots of scenarios. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. Part of the part of the game is to move forward anyway. 
Um, and part of the game is to tell on yourself and ask for more help than you want to ask for. You're going to be more insecure than you think is 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 acceptable. Yeah, and and, and I and I think that's why a lot of people don't want to go into business with family because yeah, they don't trust that the relationship is strong enough or that they have the kind of commitment that they can trust that they can get through the like something in business could wreck the relationship. Think about how small you like. What do you really value then? Right. Can you it's like you must not like you, you vote. You must value you. You say I value my family relationship, mm -hmm. but you you don't you're you're not confident that it could survive the tensions of being in business together. And yeah. you might have to make a decision in the business that could alienate your personal relationship right there is an opportunity to think whether you go into business or not. Is let's talk about how we could alienate one another. What can possibly come up? What can we work together through? What are we not telling each other? Yeah. Right. Because there is, I mean, I mean, you have to make decisions sometimes that will go against whether family or not that aren't going to, they're not going to be happy with. Yeah. Can the relationship, can you disagree and still align? Can you not get what you want and still love? Yeah. And still be connected? Can somebody leave and you still be connected to them? Yeah. Those are, you know, it's interesting because those require looking beyond the surface conversations. Like, what am I holding against you? What am I holding against myself? You know, what, what am I learning about my own dark side, my own shadow? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this came up. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say this came up in a conversation today with a client and, um, you know, her her complaint is that people aren't honest with her when it comes to like these types of conversations. Whereas that they'll, they'll, they'll all like, soften it up. And it's and my, our conversation was, well, I wonder why you like them to be that way. Right? Yeah. Like, how do you, how do you set it up? How did you train them? How did you train yeah. them to, the way you're complaining about? That's right. How are you with them? Did you say the first time you noticed they were softening it up. That's right. Oh. Well, yeah, and and how, yeah, how how have you trained them to, for them to believe that you're inauthentic when you ask for feedback? Oh, I'll tell you, man. I never forget I, when I realized I've trained my daughter to be afraid of me. When she said, she actually it took me a long time to get her to talk to me about something, and she did. And I said, I asked her, well, why wouldn't you tell me this before? And she goes, well, I was afraid you'd send me away, and I couldn't believe that. She, I, when did I say that? But then she brought up some times when I was upset with my son and she heard me talking to him and thought that that's how I, you know, she said, well, he must relate to me that way because I was tough on him. And I realized, well, then my son must feel that way. So I went back to my son and opened up a whole other conversation because I hadn't really thought about my impact. It was more about just getting it off my chest. Mm -hmm. And I was training them not to tell me the very things they needed my counsel in. And I've done that with staff. I, you know, I've done that with teams by just my reaction. So it really does pay to catch the reaction and, and wait and think about it. I mean, I recently, a guy sent me a note and I remember I just said to myself, I'm gonna wait a day or two before I answer this and just think about it. Whereas as a young man, I because all these things came up, I'd just get on and fire out the note. And I've learned through the years that, you know, I think I'm just going to wait on this and see what else comes about. And now I'm ready to write him a note. And it's much more loving and opening. And 
I can see where I, he got that. I can see how I, how I added to that, how I contributed to his prejudice and makes sense, right? Which is much different than my first reading, which was. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> I'm yeah. wondering, um, as time winds uh, down on this conversation, I'm wondering if if we could possibly, this may look a little bit like a recap of yeah. what we've talked about, but um, as we talk about this principle hitting the ground of signing your name, can we talk about what it takes to take ownership of your contribution to a breakdown, what that looks like, how do, how do we start to approach that conversation, especially with, you know, I, I've worked with leaders who have said, ah, you know, we've been coaching together and, and uh, well, one client in particular and been coaching with him and kind of going over some of this stuff, taking ownership and um, what can you own to the breakdown? And he said, you know, I've never talked to my people this way before. And it's going to be weird if I just like jump in and, and, and start talking this way. So it was an interesting conversation that we had unfold after that. And I would want to pose the question to you, like how, as a leadership, as a leader, how do we start to think about our relationship with our people under this context, under an ownership context? What does it take to really, uh, to dive in and just do this? Well, uh, first couple things come to mind for me. One is um, this this idea of taking ownership is going to be a mirror and it's going to tell you, let you know where you're, what you're convicted about and what you're not convicted about. And when I say convicted, I mean what you really care about, where the meaning resides in life for you, big picture, where the meaning resides. So if you're convicted about the future, like what future you're committed to creating, um, that will show up. And if you're committed, and, and if you're also convicted about who you're, who you, who you're committed to becoming, those are the two. Uh, I think you know north stars of this conversation, and and either one will start the conversation, but both will be revealed. So if I'm committed to becoming a more thoughtful, honest, bold, loving, fill in the blank leader, that's mm -hmm. enough to start the conversation. Because if there's some, you know, dis, you know. A disconnection on the team. I hold on. The future me is calling me to have this conversation. Or if I want this thing to work and all of a sudden this isn't, then I'm going to jump in and at least have the conversation. But if I'm not clear about wh who I am committed to being in the convo, then it probably won't go as well. Um, but that's the first, I mean, that's the first thing is like these, these two very deep conversations, like, so, you know, soulish type conversations of really what, like, what really matters to me? Um, or th th that question will show up naturally. Yeah, and, and for me, I when something it, it, the more specific I can get about something, the, the more in depth I can look into it. So, what didn't work? And then, what's my complaint? I always ask myself, what am I complaining about? Let's say with you, Chad, or with you, Adrian, or somebody I'm working. What am I complaining about in my head? And if I write it down, I ask myself. Now, I wonder. Because I found this is what I found to be true. What I'm complaining about about somebody else is probably connected to what they're going to complain about about me. I'm probably doing the very same thing. So I wonder if I was, where am I? And that's a key question. Because a lot of times I think when you ask a leader 
or you ask somebody who's in a leadership position, how are you contributing to the breakdown? They hear that as a, like you're always that way versus when and where does this occur for me? How might I be contributing? And the way I look at it is if I'm complaining about what you're doing, I wonder where I'm doing that same thing and that I haven't really owned it here. So I, because it's like, if I can own it here, I'm going to be much more empathic about how to support you and seeing what might work in a more efficient way. Like yep. I can hold it here. I'm, I can be hard on the problem, much softer on you. Yep. But if I'm, if I'm, if I haven't owned it here, I'm probably going to be resentful towards you. And that's going to come out in how I talk to you about, let's get this cleared up. Yep. So that's a big part for me is because I've noticed in the past, both in my marriage and in the, the teams I've had the privilege of leading where I've been successful and failed, I, you know, I've done both. But when I fail, it's usually because I don't own that I'm doing the very thing I'm bitching about that my people are doing to, with me or with one another. And if I can own that, it opens up a conversation. They see there's no threat because, hey, I, I can see, look, you know, I've been upset with you about this, but I'm starting to see that <laughs> I'm doing the same thing. I'm plowing it. And this is really not helping us. And I'd like to have a conversation. Let's explore. I don't know exactly what it is, but let's explore it to see what's next where we can come back together. Right. Because wouldn't you agree we're not together on this or whatever? Get that up in the open. And if we get really specific about that, then I think the a lot of times the the best answers emerge out of our willingness to get shoulder to shoulder instead of head to head. Mm -hmm. The minute I own it, it's easier to get shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, Sean, and for those of you that are listening to podcasts, we're broadcasting this to Facebook, and Sean says, I think uh, that you just start. It it won't deserve trust until consistency and feedback is there. And, and you know, I think that's so true. It also made me think of the, uh, you know, it, putting myself in that position. If I hadn't operated that way up until now, that's where I start. Hey, team, I haven't operated this way up until right. now. Start with where you are. Uh, Sean, I love your picture, by the way. You look you're like, I want to get to know you in that picture. That's a great photo, brother. <laughs> yeah, so just claiming claiming what is, locating yourself and the team in the moment and saying, hey, here's up until now, here's how I have dealt with you. Here's how I have um, not owned my contribution to what we're doing. Going forward, here's what I'm committed to. I, You know, and I write down, what are the things I hate to hear? Mm. Like I, I've done that. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear. Okay. Those are the things I want to hear first. If I don't, if I don't want to hear a no, let's get to know quick. Because then that's when we start learning. Right. So, and I wonder why I don't want to hear it, man. That's probably a great place to start. Especially if something's stuck, there's probably an array of things I don't want to hear. That's why they're stuck. Yeah. So what hits me is like, it, for example, if you don't want to hear that you let that, you know, that people don't want to follow you, then you start there. Meaning like in the conversation, you could say, hey, I think I've let you guys down as a leader. That will shock the system. <laughs> if they're not used to this is going to be a weird conversation, that'll shock the system. If you get your judgments of yourself or your biggest fears from yourself out front, to your yeah. point, yeah it will naturally kind of detonate those conversations and get them uh, invite other people to a more robust conversation. Really? You can't control how transparent other people are going to be. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but, but you can train them by trans how transparent you are and how open you are. Yeah, that's good. And so they either hang or they'll go. Yeah. That's right. And when I coach with people, I, that's how I, li I listen for what they least want to talk about. I know that's probably the place to go. Yeah. But let's go just see what that's about. Yeah. And worst case scenario, love to explore the worst case scenario. People always come out much more relaxed because they realize they can handle more than they thought. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to talk about it because it's so uncomfortable. What do you mean by that really quick, Dan? I'm curious, like exploring the worst case scenario, why, why does that let guard down or how does that work? Because usually in the worst case scenario, our brain is made up one particular scenario. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Say that happens. What might you do then? What would you do then? What, what, what would open up? What would close down? Let's think about all the possibilities. By the time you're done to think about all those possibilities, you realize you actually have resource to deal with the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it, it, the worst case scenario doesn't look like a threat. It actually has some sense of possibility in the array of field of possibility you're looking at. And if, you can, if you're ready to deal with the worst case scenario, you're much more powerful at the table. Hmm. You know, when you get into it, you're you're not in survival because your body goes, yeah, well, yeah, I've checked. The, I have some sense of what I would do if this occurs. Let's have this conversation. But a lot of times, people don't want to just have a conversation because they're worried about the ongoing effect of what it could do to the operation or you know whatever we're doing. And if I can think of other possibilities, I'm going to be much more prepared. I'm going to be ready for that conversation, regardless of what comes up. Yeah. It really works, man. Yeah, it's great. Well, gentlemen, this has been great. Yeah. What a fantastic installment. This is going to be a good tool, especially for those. These are going to kind of be companions to the course that um, we're, we're releasing very, very soon. And so this is going to be extra, extra homework, extra thought uh, provoking conversations. And so I appreciate both of you showing up. You got it. Thanks. Thanks for leading us. Yeah, absolutely. Now let me own all of my Britain. <laughs> well, that'll be one of the episodes. What'd you say? I said, we've been waiting, Chad, finally. Yeah, right. finally. I wish you'd get up to it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll talk to you later. Ciao, man. Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. Also, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing this podcast with the people in your life that are looking for a new way to lead and to relate to others. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.